Welcome to season three of the Jada Edwards podcast. You'll get a little bit of Bible teaching, some great stories, and some great interviews along the way. And so um, we're going to start off with a question that came in from online and then we'll spread out to you. So if you have a question, just gently raise your hand and we have someone with a mic that will come right to you. So Jada, this is a question where someone is saying, I do not know who I am since my divorce. How can I reclaim my identity in Christ? That's such a good, ooh, Lord. Um, yeah, I think divorce, uh, life events, sometimes the death of a friend or loss of a parent or anything like that can send us reeling. <clears throat> and it's usually a wake-up call that we have anchored our identity in some life circumstance as opposed to Christ. And I honestly say the only way to really start to get back on track with that is to ask God to begin to unpack this lie that whatever was in your life defined who you were. God, help me unpack that because there's probably some pain or some deficit, some insecurity, some whatever that even made you put your identity in that thing to begin with. And so you don't want to just say, oh, I'm over it. Let me go to the next thing. Now, whatever drove you to put your identity in something that could change um, needs to be unpacked. And so you have to say, God, I need you to help me unpack this so I can see what drove this in the first place so that the next great thing that comes along doesn't become my new identity. Um, I, I am very much a believer in that inward work you know I love scripture memorization and prayer and all those things but like I told y'all y'all know my story I had all that and lived a fool so I'm very much about reflection and asking God to search me and say okay how did I even get here so we can prevent this from happening again and then as I unpack whatever lies made me think that marriage or divorce or my child because kids move out the house or my parent or my career whatever made me think that's who I was unpack that lie and then let's add some truth to that now I need you to tell me who I am. If you don't unpack the lie, you can quote royal priesthood and head not to tell all day long. And all you're doing is laying a band-aid of scripture over a tumor of pain. It don't make any sense. Nobody fixes a tumor with a band-aid. So you have to do the work to unpack whatever lie got you on the wrong track. Then God's truth can actually do something. It can saturate and not just be something that sits on top. Yeah. A band-aid <laughs> of truth Listen. over a tumor of pain. Listen. How often do we do that? All yes, the all the time. All the time. CT has a question from online or in the room right here. Yes. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Karen. Oh, we're going to say hello to Taryn. Karen. 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 Hey, okay. Karen. Can we all say hello to Karen? Hey, hey Karen. Karen. Thank you. My, my question is tied to arranged marriages. I'm in my 40s, and I now take the mindset that dating is not just arbitrary. So it's coming through an arrangement through a spiritual parent, et cetera. So how do I not get to a point where if it's not coming through this arranged scenario, then it's off the table. I can't go meet a guy that I just met at the gas station or at the grocery store. So just stopping to be in that mindset of being stuck, saying if it's not arranged, it's not for me. So I just wanted to get more take on not getting stuck with an arranged mindset. So let me ask a question. Do you have some other life experience where arranged marriages or parents having a really heavy hand in the marriage was part of your experience? Is that something that you took on, that idea took on in your adult life? Actually the opposite. I would say my parents are more Mm loosey-goosey, so I'm going the other direction. 
Okay, so is it your parents that are that you would think do the arranging, or your spiritual parents? Spiritual parents. Oh, some different folks. Yeah. Okay, I see. So here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> I think it's an inter- interesting question. You know, I'm always I, I love to get behind what what's leading to that thinking. I think that's a fear-driven approach, and especially if your parents scared you with their lack of structure and and the what, however they approach relationship must not have been a good experience for you, for you to then find a whole nother set of spiritual parents and take this really uh, extreme controlling approach. So it's not just about saying that I won't trust anybody that my spiritual parents don't bring me, right? That's the surface question. The bigger question is, is my fear keeping me from being open to whatever God wants to do in my life? Mm. Right, because it probably is not something that's just for a relationship. That's prob- fear is a thing. Like whatever our thing is, it's not categorized. It's usually all over our lives. And so I think if you start to really unpack where that fear is coming from, what you're afraid of, um, what you think you're going to avoid by having these spiritual parents do all the matchmaking or whatever the case may be, get to that point, then God can start to show you where that, that flaw is in that fear. Because then you then you can be free in general. Okay, God, you know what? People get, people get they find mates and friends in all, in all kind of places. <clears throat> Why do I think that only in this scenario will it be successful, right? And so there's a, there's a deep fear that I think you need to really think through. And I say, I always say think through and unpack it because I think we can be arbitrary and be like, I gave it to the Lord. Well, you didn't, you said it out loud to the Lord. You didn't give it to him because you're still living in it. Right. You have to do the work. You cannot accumulate a fear or a pain or a trauma over years of your life. And think you're going to give it to God and be done. No, that is constant work. It's a constant mentality you're trying to undo. <clears throat> so when you deal with that broader issue of fear uh, that you're trying to fix by control, even though you're not the one to control, you've delegated that control. Somebody needs to be in control, right? That fear issue really leads to a lack of trust. God, I don't trust you and how you might do things random, so I'm going to let them handle this. You see what I'm saying? So it's the work of saying, here's what's driving that so that God can begin to align that with some truth. And then you have them as great advisors, but then you might be, look, I met the dude. He was, you know, on the camera taking pictures at the park and look, look, here we are now, you know? So it's a, it's an openness that's only going to come not from forced or or faking it, but it's only going to come from really getting into your mind as to why you have that fear and why you have these these parents that are very important to you, but maybe have too much control, um, and, and where that's coming from. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you for that. That's good, Karen. We have a question come from online, and then we have Star in the back and one over here. So, Marilyn, will you ask our online question? Could you hear me now? Okay. So, I met a guy online who has issues with his mom. So, although she's deceased. Uh, he still has not forgiven her. So should I give, how much time should I give him to heal? Um, should I recommend therapy to him or should I just let him go? What should mm. I do? So, um, yeah, forgiveness is a beast. And especially <clears throat> when that person is deceased and, you know, it caused you a lot of pain. So my biggest concern is that this was an online question. Mm-hmm. What's the name? Does it say? Okay. Girl, let me talk to you. Listen, my, my biggest concern is that you feel like you need to help him do oh. it. 
It's not even the forgiveness issue. That's between him and the Lord. But the way you see your role in his healing is the concern. So unless God has brought him into your life as a friend, which means you have no ulterior motive. You're not trying to date him. You're not trying to get him right for a relationship. Like this is a friend, friend, and God has given you a burden for this person. Then you probably need to pray for him and, and back away because um, that forgiveness, depending on how much it governs his life, is going to be something that obviously will be uh, detrimental in a relationship. And it's not that he has to be healed. Like I say over again, forgiveness is a journey like everything else. But is he on the path to healing? If you have tell him to get the therapist, that means you're going to have to keep him going to therapy, and you're going to have to keep reminding him, okay. and then you're going to have to make him do it, and you have to double-check, and did you go, and I put a reminder in your phone, and it, that's not your job. So, so if, if you love him like a brother in Christ, and if God is showing you that as a red flag, because everybody's forgiveness issue is not a red flag. depends on how much it has affected your life. He's showing you that as a red flag. You have to back away and say, I'm going to pray. I really am going to pray for you. It breaks my heart that this thing is still heavy for you. You might want to think about therapy, da, 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 church counseling, and then he needs to go with God. And you need to go with God, too, because that, that's not going to work out. That's not going to go well with you feeling like you need to disciple him and he's not even um, committed in your life. Mm. So, yeah, girl, be free. <laughs> We're just out here help meeting all over the place, Jada. Helping. Ain't help nobody asking for help. Don't don't help. help. We love to help. We do love we to do. help. We, we good do. helpers too, but yes. they they got to want help and need help. And yes. Got to be some God given help. Some the Lord is calling you to help. We That's can't help right. everybody. Keep you keep some of your help to yourself. All right. CT <laughs> CT has a question about What's your uh, name? My name is Vanessa. Hey, everybody, hey Vanessa. Hey, Vanessa. So one thing that I noticed is that when it comes to singleness and like black women in the church, it's an interesting um, dynamic, right? And my question is, in all areas of our life, we are taught to plan, right? If I do not look for a job, I'll starve, realistically. If I do not um, plan for my life, um, there are things that will, there are needs that will not be met. Um, if I do not have a job and make money, I can't afford to put a roof over my head. I can't afford to feed myself. Um, in college, I saw many plaques that said, a person that does not plan, plans to fail. So it's interesting, and, I'm, and, I, and I say the dichotomy of singleness in the black church is interesting specifically for black women um, can, I, can I interrupt you for a second? Tell sure. me your question. What's your question? My question is, and, and, and I'm sorry. That's okay. I was kind of leading up to it, but my question mm -hmm. that I want to lead to, and I'm glad you asked that, is why is it that in this one area, in the black church, why is it that this is one area that we say wait on God for when in all areas of our life, realistically, as human beings, we must actually plan for. So when you say plan, are you saying take the initiative? Um, essentially, so prepare. Um, so when you say, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to clarify what, what you're asking. <clears throat> are you saying the church should encourage women to do what? Instead of what they're doing now, the church should encourage women to do what? 
Well, I am. I don't want to make it seem as if I'm um, condemning. No, 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 girl, it's fine. I don't, have, I don't want to know what you're asking, so, so I can give you a good answer or my best answer. Sure. Let me figure this out. You want to think about it for a second? No, I can okay. flow in it. So, realistically, how should a single female Christian view dating in a realistic world where in every area we do have to take initiative? Right, so this is a question of initiative. See, I guess so, yes. Is it okay for women to take the initiative in dating relationships? No, that's not your question? My question is, um, why do we not have a plan, essentially? Or why is it that it's more so encouraged to wait on God to deliver as if God is going to ring the doorbell or knock on the door and say, here you go, this is what you've been waiting and praying for when in all of our lives, God doesn't show up that way. God does not knock on my door and deliver me a job. I apply for it. So are you, what are you calling planning when you're saying don't have a plan? What would you call planning or preparing for a relationship? Just give me two examples of what that would be. Sure. So actually planning and preparing, so actually seeing it as um, acceptable. So to plan for dating and to plan for marriage is the realistic understanding that it's actually acceptable um, under certain circumstances as a Christian because what God calls us to is companionship. You know, we see that in Genesis. When God created everything, he created them in pairs. Okay, hold on. So, I'm going to interrupt you just for sake of time. When you say planning, what does that mean? Saving money, buying a house. Like, what do you mean? What tangible things are you saying would, would equate to planning and preparing for a relationship? That's a good question. So to plan and prepare for a relationship, I think first you have to introspectively, introspectively um, deal with your pain, right? Mm -hmm. And your trauma related to relationships and dating. And um, I guess that's how you plan. I guess planning would be to first deal with yourself, right? Right, so I would and say but is, is, is the church discouraging that? No, I don't say the church so, is So, because it sounds like anything. your question is, why is the church not encouraging or helping us plan and prepare? So then I need to understand what you're calling planning and preparing. Mm -hmm. But the first answer you just gave me, I don't think the church is discouraging that. So there's something, I feel like there's something specific that you're saying we're being asked not to do this when I think that would be helpful. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So can I, can I just give you a minute because we have a couple other questions and we're sure. short on time. And uh, I, if, you, if you clarify that for me, then I will talk to you after the session. Is that okay? I appreciate your question. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, hi. I, this is so loud. Share your name. My name's Kendall. Hey, Kendall. Kendall. <laughs> 
So in uh, Psalms 37, 4, it says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. So my question is distinguishing between um, the desires in my heart that I want, are those my own selfish desires or are they the desires that he placed in my heart because he wants to give them to me? That is a great question. And that question is answered by the first half of that verse. So to the degree that you delight in the Lord, to that degree, your desires will be God-given. Most of us don't delight, right? We just like, mm-hmm, Jesus, here go my desires. And so, I mean, seriously, it's that delight is what drives the desire, right? I can try to make myself eat right. If I don't delight in healthy food, y'all know how long that lasts. Can't wait for a cookie, because that's my treat. Can't wait for pancakes. Can't wait. This, right? So you approach it because you're like, the healthy food is this punishment, and I can't wait for my treat day. But when I delight in that, that becomes my whole appetite. And, and I can say no to pizza. I can say no to whatever because I'm like, no, I actually want this food, right? So I could, so just because you lose 50 pounds, that's not the same as saying you delight in healthy food. Right. You just have a desire to lose the weight. But once you hit that goal, then your real desire is going to come back out, right? So that delight is the driver. And that's why, that's why you know, <coughs> excuse me, Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. Desperate, not a little bit, not so, not wicked-ish. It's desperately trifling in your heart. And so you have to ask yourself, am I delighting in the Lord? Because if you're doing that, ask for, ask for the desires of your heart. We are not perfect. But if you're delighting in the Lord, if he don't give you the desire, it's not going to bother you the same because he's your delight. So it's, so it's not that you're going to always ask for the perfect thing or know everything. But if you delight in him, right? Number one, he will drive what you ask for. But number two, the way you know if you're delighting in the Lord is when he says no to the desire. Because then you're like, oh, wait, that was my delight. Oh, hold up. Wait a minute. So that is the, the driver. That first part of that verse, it answers itself. And it's a, I'm glad you asked that because people use it all the time. Yes. And I'm like, but are you delighting in the Lord before you get to these desires? Because if you are, he can tell you no. You can be like, okay, but I still got the Lord. Cool. He's my delight. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? So it's both and because we're, we're imperfect and we're human. We're going to ask for things that, you know, sometimes God's going to say no. But when he says no, if, that's my, if he's my delight, then my life's not destroyed when he don't give me that desire. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's good. Thank you for that. Marilyn has another question for online. online. Okay, this is from MSM41009. <laughs> okay. These handles. So these All handles right. are so special. A man I'm dating currently told me he would resent me if we get married. Should I be concerned? Is this a red flag? Yes. What? Yes, a you should be concerned. told me if we get married, he's He going would to resent, resent you if you entered a committed relationship. <laughs> that is a concern. Yes, it is. And we, we're not going to even laugh and judge because no. we've all been in situations where if we had asked That's the question out loud, That's the whole right. room would have said, <laughs> really? So we're not going to judge, no, girl. Gonna judge. We've all been in situations we knew we're the answer to. Judge. So I understand that. Um, but he probably has given you some explanation as to how we are committed and you're the one I want and all that matters is heart and compassion who I spend my time with and you can miss me with all that. So uh, yes. if he does not want to marry you and is saying he would resent you for it, absolutely you need to be out of that relationship because he has no intentions of committing and has already set it up so that yes. if there's a commitment, you think it's your fault that he start acting a fool. 
Girl, that's some trickery. Get out of there. That is some, get out of there. I don't know what he's giving you, but whatever it is, and I don't know. I'm not making any assumptions. I'm saying something makes us stay, right? So I'm saying whatever that is, I'm telling you, God is better. Just, you got to get out of that. He, he's setting you up to try, he's trying to do some Jedi mind stuff on you. Yes. All right. Mm-mm. Y'all, we have t- space for two more questions. We have someone right up here up front. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we get to your front, we have one in the back. CT is already with Star. Hi. Ooh, hi. My name is Star. Um, hey, Star. <laughs> hey. Uh, um, so my question has to do with dating and walking in your purpose. As far as I personally have had multiple purposes. God has taken me through seasons of multiple purposes. But there's someone that I had met that he wasn't quite sure of his purpose or his season. And so do you suggest that that's maybe something that you kind of like back off and let them kind of discover that? Or is that something you could discover together as you're learning to get to know each other? Just what is your uh, perspective on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I am of the mindset that I think a man needs to either be pretty sure of what God's called him to do. Um, He could be actively discovering it, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if if he doesn't have some reasonable degree of certainty, then he's not in a position to lead. He's not in a position to to serve as the role of a husband because I don't think marriage is about helping each individual find their purpose. I think marriage is about two purposed individuals coming together for something that God wants to do that they couldn't do apart from each other. If you don't know what the thing is, you're going to influence it and drive it, and he's going to be mad at you because 10 years later he's going to realize that's not what he wanted to do, and it's just going to be drama. So it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not saying perfect, but he has to have a reasonable idea that here's what I want to do. Now, how he does it and how the Lord opens, that stuff can be worked out. But if he's like, oh, this is my heart, this is my, I think, I don't I think that's a dangerous thing to help someone discover when that is a very personal thing between that person and the Lord. And so I would tend to say probably give that give that some space because if you're dating to be married, then he's probably not in a stable enough place. <clears throat> I don't mean that negatively, but he needs to have his own surety as a man um before you would marry. So I would probably back away from that, give it a little space. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we have our final question for the <laughs> afternoon right here next no. to her on the couch. Oh, her. Oh, yes. Hi. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Tell us your name. Hi, I'm Gabby. Hey, Gabby. Okay. So, Jada, you had said in your message um, you need to be okay with that part of your story. And so, for me, my question is how do you get okay? Because there's certain parts of my life where certain things happen and if affected my confidence Um, and I guess my question is how to get the confidence back and I also see in my son the same areas he's having issues with that I did so asking how to be okay with whatever may have caused that pain yes yeah well I think a lot of that has to do with understanding where our trust in God's sovereignty comes into play because even when really traumatic things happen to us we have to we have to understand that okay god loves me more than i love myself and for whatever reason in his sovereignty he allowed this thing to happen um and and because he did then i know he can use this thing uh and also because he did i know that he didn't expect this thing to redefine and derail my life and so um i think there is this acceptance number one of god's hand in our lives I think we just don't question when he does good things. We question when he allows bad things, right? But it's he's still God. 
Same God that you like, okay, okay, God, take the extra promotion. <laughs> Didn't deserve it. Cool. Um, same God, you have to say, okay, God, I have to allow these things to happen. Uh, there's, and then there's another thing, the sovereignty and trust piece, really, really getting it in your head. Because a lot of times that just becomes lip service for, for believers, like really getting it in your head. <clears throat> Number two, um, understand, asking God what he wants to do intentionally with that thing. Because maybe that's a part of what he's called you to do to speak into lives about that or to, to work with that in whoever, young girls, I don't know, whatever. It's, there's something intentional about the things that God allows in our lives. And number three, I didn't talk about this a lot at the beginning, but I'm a big believer in all the personality, Enneagram. I love all the things, right? I love all the assessments. And so I, I, I believe that knowing who you are is really, really important. And so some things are just in our temperament. Some people are just insecure people they're gonna always struggle with it. it's not something that you need to pray away it's just something that it's gonna be a struggle you and the lord have to work it out so knowing how you're wired and because he wired you that way yeah. right and saying god is this how you made me or did this situation start to change me you know because then you get okay with that if you know you need recognition then fine just check yourself sometimes he can actually do something that nobody sees if you know you like to be in control fine he's gonna put you in some situations where you don't run it you just got to know your stuff you got to know your stuff, y'all. Listen, Psalm 139 <laughs> says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. He says, you know my thoughts from afar. You know words for their form to my lips. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. When I sit down, when I rise up, wherever I go, you know me. That's the first three verses of Psalm 139. And then at the end, he says, search me and know me. Try my anxious thoughts. Now, he's not telling God to search him so God can know. We already know God knows. He's already established that. He's saying, search me and show me me. Show me what you already know, God. See if there's any anxious way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. It is valuable to have God to show you yourself. Because I promise you, the scripture that says faith is the assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen, that's going to look different in the life of a controlling person or an organized person or a free-spirited person or a person that struggles with confidence. Or That looks different in everybody's life. And if you're comparing your faith journey to other people, you're going to always fail. So you have to know the sovereignty of God. You've got to know how God's going to use that for your purpose. And you've got to do the work on yourself. Most of us don't know ourselves well enough to know how God wants to work through us. And the sad part is other people know what's better than we know ourselves. They know what we struggle with. They can ask, they tell you, they know if you talk too much. You don't know you talk too much. You know? They know if you don't have no patience. You walk around talking about no, you don't, right? Everybody else knows. But you need to know it because God is gonna use that purpose that He set you apart for and the uniqueness of your personality and how He's wired you. And the uniqueness of your story is all that beautiful thing that God uses. That's why when he says, write that book, start that pocket, it don't matter who else is doing it. They're not you. They don't have your story. They don't have your personality. They don't have your pain. They don't have your life. They don't have your approach. They don't see things the same way. God is like, I'm not worried about them. You're the only you. And so there's value in everything he's allowed in your life. And there's intentionality for how he wired you. And that is just a constant reminder that you have to be like, okay, God, we, we about to get this thing together. And so does that make sense? Like, yes. Like that stuff's not wasted. That stuff is not wasted, girl. He uses it all. He uses it all. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Can we celebrate Jada? Amazing. I'm sorry. Amazing. I got one quick thing. I know we kind of off, but we kind of not off because this is our session and we started early. But somebody asked me earlier yes, about soul ties. Oh, okay. They caught me at the... At, oh, at, here. here. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Are you, is your question like, are they real or do they exist or... Okay. 
Okay, so I'm going to try to say this quick because I did a sidebar on this. <laughs> My sister looking like, oh, Lord, don't say it. So this soul ties thing, y'all, it, it's a big thing that it's just some fancy words that people like to say so they sound deep. Let me t- not you, not the person asking the question. People who teach this. Biblically, there's no, there's no evidence of a soul tie. Right. It doesn't e- it's not even a real thing. The only relationship biblically that talks about two people's souls being knit together was David and Jonathan, and they were friends. So when we talk about this thing, yes, we shouldn't have premarital sex. Yes, we shouldn't do that. Y'all, but soul, you're saying that now something you've done or something a person has done has the ability to, to reach into the spirit of who you are and make a connection. They cannot do it. The only person that touches your soul is God. And so even the idea of soulmate, it's a cool concept, but understand what cool concepts are versus biblical concepts. And you don't have to do any work to break a soul tie because soul ties don't exist. Listen, and I I know somebody's going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, because I was in a relationship. I didn't say toxic relationships don't exist. I didn't say that codependent relationships don't exist, that people haven't snatched your good sense and you're doing stuff crazy because you're in a relationship. But your soul, you don't, nobody has access to your soul but God. And so, unless you give it over to the enemy willingly. And so I say that so you can really walk in a freedom that says, I have the power as a believer. I got the Holy Spirit in me. I decide who I'm tied to. I decide how I act in relationships. When you start talking about soul ties, you're giving yourself a spiritual excuse to not be responsible. Nobody has that much power over you. The enemy don't have that much power over you unless you give it to him. You have the ability to say yes and to say no. And if you say yes to the wrong thing, you can change it to a no anytime you want. And if you make mistakes, you ask forgiveness, God is going to use it. You keep moving. We are empowered as believers to lead the life God has called us to. There's no situation, there's no person, there's no trauma, no circumstance that has more power in your life than the Holy Spirit. So nothing is tying nothing to your soul unless you and a spiritual being, and it's got to be Jesus or the devil, said this is what we're doing. If that's not what happened, then you just walk away, let that go, you're already free. That's it. That's all we got time. That was the word for the day. Amen. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Is that Terry? Terry, get out of here. Yes. That is amazing. Listen, so many people talking about that. It'd be driving me crazy. And I love, I'm glad she asked the question, but. So good. So good. So good. And so, Jada, pray for us, please. (laughs) Father, you are so good and so gracious. And God, we are just overwhelmed that you know us. You know us intimately. You sit outside of our story and you have intentionality about it. You know how you want to use us. You know the mistakes we've yet to make. And you still have purpose for us. You still have calling for us. You still have a life of integrity for us. And so, God, my my prayer really is that life is not wasted, that that we find ourselves seeking to please you, delighting in you over everything else every single day. So whatever thing, God, might be stirred up right now, whatever questions we may have, whatever uncertainties, whatever pain, whatever we're dealing with, God, would you give us the courage to do the work to really begin to address that with you so you can uh, show us our own hearts so they don't get in the way of what you've called us to do. So, God, I, I pray for assurance and confidence and certainty and intentionality, God, and authority, and passion, and drive, and all of the things, God, I pray for that for every woman and every man in this room, because this 
world desperately needs purpose-driven people. And God, purpose is not attached to marital status. It's not attached to parenting. It's not attached to money. It's not attached to heritage. It is simply a God-given assignment that we need to be about. And so God, help us to prioritize your business over our business, and we will watch you do miraculous things. We love you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure to leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.